welcome. You have reached Deconversion Therapy, the podcast. I'm Bonnie, and that is Karen Lee. Karen Lee, tell them why you're Karen Lee. <laughs> well, I was showing Bonnie how now my phone will prompt me to write Karen Lee instead of Karen because <laughs> when I was young, I was very mm -hmm. envious of the girls who were like, my name's Michelle, but you can call me Shelly. Or my name is Kimberly, but you can call me Kim. So I started a rumor in like second grade that my real name was Karen Lee. <laughs> it's really just an adverb of myself. Um, yeah, so I really was just turning myself into an adverb. So people could use that. Like the teacher could be like, okay, quiet down. I see everyone is being very Karen Lee. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> or that would be the name that your mother would call you when you got in trouble. Yep. Karen Ali, <laughs> <laughs> put those fruit roll ups down and get over here. And then I also, cause well, I'm not going to give my whole name out because I'm sure we have one listener who in their bio says, you know, I deal in bitcoins and can also <laughs> somehow figure out my social security. Right. But um, <coughs> I would also put an accent on one of the vowels in my oh, middle God. name. Oh, man. I want to be different. I want to stand out. What, I've, I've got the umlay, <laughs> the two dots. <laughs> ah, like like the awe in Motley Crew. Oh man, that was edgy, so edgy. And I told you Vince Neil was in like my town, and we couldn't figure out what the you know who was driving this oh. fancy car because we were. At, but he had but he had a vanity plate, right? Yes. You couldn't figure out what it meant. Yeah, and now I can't even. I think it was V N S. And we just were like, okay. It wasn't 69 hot dog. I know. <laughs> he should have had that. What are the two little dots? He should have had that <laughs> over one of the letters. He'd have to draw those in himself, and that might be a, um, a federal crime. Get that Sharpie out. Although I think <laughs> Donald Trump has all of them. All right. Boom, boom. We So welcome here. Yeah. You're, you're you've stuck. arrived. <laughs> You can find us on the line, um, and I think we're retooling our website sometime. And I say we, but that means Karen, because she does all the good stuff, and she's talented and um, really puts herself into it. And I am so it's, thankful it's for that. And, I, That's and right. every time I give her a compliment, she just goes on to something else. So you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I have a tear. I'm going to take a picture and put um, it on the website. So we're on the line at deconversiontherapypodcast.com. And the it's Instagram, really, yeah, yeah. it's going to be good. The website is going to be pretty, but it's also going to be really useful. And I'm going to start, even with this podcast that we're doing today, this episode, it has so much that... I'm going to write about it sort of as a blog on it where you can listen to it or you can read and share like the little article because I hmm. think that we could probably win a Pulitzer. <laughs> I think people might enjoy uh, secretly reading something while they're at work when they should be working and they can't really be listening to a podcast. That's right. So while you're doing that open heart surgery... Just pick up right. that phone, go over there. <laughs> I picture Homer Simpson, like, right. reading our blog while the plutonium or whatever he deals with is, yeah. So look for us on Instagram, too. People are very active on Instagram, which is really nice, and they, they keep it friendly. And on Facebook, we've got a group that is by invitation only, <laughs> and the invitation gets extended once you ask to be invited. So Very exclusive. Uh, so that's fun because everybody there is really supportive, and they, you know, it's not a place for arguing, which is unlike a lot of groups from what I understand. 
it's just really nice and a supportive community. Oh, and you can see the picture that I took when I drove by the secret, it's not secret, but the very, very hard to find hostel in South Beach in Miami that Jerry Falwell invested in with the guy who was the pool attendant <laughs> that his wife was having an affair with. Yeah. I don't know. Do you call it an affair when the guy, when the husband knows about it? Um, I guess it's just fair. Because everyone is equal. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't want to say that she was banging him because that sounds so crass, but that's what everybody's been writing. Oh, so we'll repeat it. We don't mind. Um, and we also, in that Facebook group, like people can be personal, you just keep it within there. And, People like to be a risque with their fun memes, which I really don't care. My only consideration is like we have Christians in there, too, and people who've gone through trauma. And we don't deal with any of that. But yeah. that's why I'm like careful with the memes of, you know. Um, you're, you're even better at being sensitive about that than I am because yeah, some of the memes that people have put in there while they're really funny to some people, it might trigger, you know, feelings of anxiety and, um, not thinking it's funny because they've been through some real torture. I know. And I know it sounds like, uh, the person who is not into censorship, which is me, it's censoring. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am. Because, I mean, why you, make people, anyone feel unsafe? So it's nothing I think personal. You did, take, or you did suggest that we take down a picture that had Jesus in there naked, and he had a lot of low-hanging fruit. He did. Uh, there were even pencil drawn, um, <laughs> the wrinkles in his phallus were very <laughs> detailed. So, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it, it doesn't really uh, matter. But like I said, you've got Reddit for that. You just stick that over there. That's um, true. And, yes, oh, okay. I will steal all the memes <clears throat> and post them. Yeah, but in a loving way. It's. I mean, you'll say I'm stealing it. I don't know who to give this credit to. Yeah, sometimes I don't say anything about the credit because I know those people stole it from someone else. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, let me just tell you a few current event things in, in life here that probably you'll cut out and I won't know. And that's okay. But I was <laughs> I sent you a picture of it. So last night I'm watching Saturday Night Live. They finally got back into the studio and I was thinking, oh my gosh, how are they going to deal with this whole Trump having COVID thing with only one day to go to, you know, to air date. Right. And um uh, so I thought they did that really funny. This is not a review. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, you know how at the end of Saturday Night Live, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. They have like the, the place where they dump all the local ads. Right, right. That, you know, uh, so, so they have a local pastor here and he comes on and he's going, hi, don't forget October 5 is the last day you can register to vote. And I think... Where's the joke? I thought it was a sketch. I thought it was a parody commercial. And it wasn't. It was a local <laughs> pastor here. And I don't want to say who, but his hair had not one single gray hair, but his body <laughs> said he should be having some gray hairs. Yeah. And it just made me feel uncomfortable. Well, that's... And I don't want to bash somebody's looks, but, but... It, it, looked, it looked cartoony. Well, the Bible was translated from Hebrew and Greek, so it's okay if he gets himself some Grecian for it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's man, that's horrible. Was, yeah, I could have prepped that better. Than, um, so, yeah. all right, so that was that was my experience last night. And, like, there was – I was like, I can't type this to anybody. It's 1 a.m. I can't tell anybody. Did you see that, first of all? Um Okay, so let's see. The other thing is, so then this morning I wake up and I loved that I was watching a tennis match where the guy who was winning, who I was rooting for, his last name, 
on Sunday morning is sinner. Uh, That's right. S like Sam. There you inner. go. That's so I was so excited texting with a friend. I'm like, it's so fun on a Sunday to say, I'm rooting for you, sinner. <laughs> oh my gosh. Go sinner is winning. Sinner is dropping Sinner won deuce. today. Sinner's going to play again on Tuesday. And that on Tuesday, he can go to hell. <laughs> um, but today I was, I was on the side of the sinner. Sinner. Did I text you the picture of the reply that I got yesterday from somebody who I'm doing business with? Yes, that they're going to be at church. So you just plan yeah. around it. So, so, yeah, so it was a simple text message. Hey, I will drink a cup of coffee and call you right after. And it was nowhere near four o'clock, but they said, okay, at four o'clock, we leave to go to church. I don't <laughs> care what you're doing at four. I think that's probably obvious. Right. Uh, drinking a cup of coffee is going to take me seven minutes maximum. And it was nowhere <laughs> near four o'clock, but they had to throw the church thing in. So I'm thinking, am I being prepped? Am I being groomed to be witnessed to? Yep. I don't know. They're grooming you. They're like, but are you doing grooming anything me. at four? Really? Yeah, exactly. You should come to our church service called Impact Climax <laughs> Come Together. Jesus reigns. Um, yeah, I thought you were making all porn puns. I like, know they all come are. together, climb. <laughs> That's the thing. They all. So I don't know if you remember in the seventies. Every once in a while, if we had to like finish our whatever kind of Wednesday night crap they gave us. Oh, girls mm -hmm. in action, where we sat around, <laughs> um, not being in action. <laughs> nope. Uh, we would then go to the cool youth group thing and sit in the corner to wait until my brother was done because my parents didn't want us just roaming around. So <laughs> that was when I would look at just everyone and be so enamored. Hold on. <clears throat> and there was a big banner because it was called Come Together. And it was mm -hmm. like there was some song come together right now over me. And the Beatles, they changed it to mm -hmm. make it about Jesus. Yep. And oh. so it was like this orangey brown and yellow, like come together in the swirly font. <clears throat> the mandatory colors of the early and late 70s. Yep. And then there would be the one guy who could somewhat sing and play guitar would always sing uh, Larry Norman songs until Keith Green ones kicked in. And I would just be like, one day I'm going to feather my hair like that <laughs> woman um, who's really One just... day soon I'm going to be able to feather the left side of my hair but not the right side. And the right side's going up in a barrette. It's going up in a plastic comb that you get <laughs> in varied colors that scratches the hell out of your hair. Or later, the barrettes that were wrapped in ribbon and then... And you wrapped them yourself and they hung down. Yep. You can put little beads on that and, man, get that clap purse. <laughs> Then Clap get purse. the belt. It was a Bermuda bag, and I still have it, and I still yeah, wear it, and do. I made my own covers. So <laughs> anyway, but you were talking about how your mom and dad didn't want you roaming around at church. And the other day I asked you, like, and this is all because my favorite murder covered the case of Adam Walsh and how he went missing in Florida. And there was one day where Karen and I were roaming around the neighborhood. This is when we were a tiny bit older to where they weren't really watching us and seeing if we were going in the street anymore. Right. But we went, we went to the end of the street where it was the edge of the intercoastal waterway. And so, you know, there was a current and everything. So there was a tide and it was low tide. So we jumped down these stairs and we walked along this little tiny beach and we went, you know, maybe all of three blocks away to look at a corner area <laughs> where there was a bigger beach. And we thought, oh, this will be interesting if we throw a bottle with a note in the water and see if it washes ashore. That, anyway. That was our days of Friday cleaners. 
That's, Those were the very important days. That's when I was president. You were vice of our two-person <laughs> thing that pledged to clean up trash. Okay, right. so you just made that sign sound idealistic, but let's just paint a picture what that, quote, beach looked like, how no, it's it was... no longer there because just the tide, you know. Global warming, etc. When, but when low tide would happen, it was a lot of of palm fronds and driftwood and just trash that people would throw off yeah. their boats. Some uh, tons of seaweed and yeah. the sand was not white; it was a grayish yellow. But yeah. <laughs> it was. But the promise of things that had possibly fallen off a boat that were valuable intrigued me. Right. And I really wanted to just rifle through it all, but I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, so that day we were there. And then when we got back to the street, everybody was around, you know, and by everybody, I just mean our family members, um, going, where were you? Nobody knew where you two were. And we were shocked because that was really the first time that anybody had made a big Anyone deal care? out of that. We had, we'd done, yeah, we had we had roamed around before, and um, I remember my mom got out of her car, and she had just gotten her hair permed, which was <laughs> a trauma in my life because she had pretty brown straight hair before. And um, so I was quizzing her about it uh, the other day, and I said, what year was that? And she said, well, it had to be, and we traced it back, and it was right around the time that Eton – Paltz, Pats, Eaton Pats, the kid in New York, got abducted on his way to his bus in Manhattan. Right. And they had the whole big movement about child safety and abductions. Yeah. And kids landed on milk cartons. And I think, I think, well, that probably explained why they were worried because it had finally gotten around to them. To their thinking, hey, maybe something bad could happen. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so that wasn't really that exciting to tell you that. But here, all of this leads up to me then telling you, um, uh, when we were talking about her perm that she got, uh, remember the guy that used to cut my hair and her hair at the place where your mom and you got your haircut, but I don't think you went to the same guy. Yes. Mom t Mom tells me yesterday, um, oh, you know, you remember that he, she said, she said, you know, he died. And I said, I know. And she goes, he was a drug addict. I'm like, what are you talking about? How do you know that? And she goes, one night at 1 a.m. he called me. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> he called you? He wanted money from her. Oh, my So he gosh. called her at 1 a.m. He was out with a friend. And I'm like, give me more details than that. I mean, it's just wildly in, inappropriate for your hairdresser to call you at 1 a.m. to begin with when you don't have that kind of a relationship. And, right. And did he offer, like, free perms? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that he offered anything other than the desire for her to give him money so he could buy drugs probably. That's crazy. And, and yeah, and she and she's just really conservative and and you know, not the person you hit up at 1 a.m. for drug money. <laughs> she's no baller. She's no baller. So, <laughs> so she sort of said to him, I can't do that. I, no, I can't do that. And I'm thinking, it what it, this was before cell phones. Right. So somewhere he must have had a all of his clients' phone numbers. Yeah. And Well, and, remember how not only would there be a Rolodex, but they would have that little card file, like a little recipe card thing, and they would keep yeah. him in that. And I bet he just had keys to the store and went in. And oh, my God. Going through. Oh, that's awful. And he was Can like, imagine? what woman Looks like she's <laughs> on drugs. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I was, I just, I'm constantly amazed by the interesting stuff she doesn't tell me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've found out stuff, especially church stuff, 
that I yeah. didn't know about that, like, yeah, we had to intervene with this person or this person was pain or, you know, these people mm-hmm. were having sex here and there. And I'm like, <gasps> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you and I were talking because my favorite murder this last week, depending when this airs, was about Adam Walsh. And Adam Walsh was from where we were. And it was horrifying because there was a little kid, he was missing, there was stranger danger. And then in My Favorite Murder, they were telling about how one of the people who might have been, you know, a a possibility was uh, Jeffrey Dahmer because Jeffrey Dahmer was in Miami at the time. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying, and then we'll get into our episode, not like people really come here for information, but um, (laughs) I got on something and saw something I didn't know was a thing. You know, the Revlon hair thing that you talked me into that blow dries while drying your hair and combing it and all that? Yeah, it has a blow dryer in the middle, and it shoots all the air out while you brush. So now they have them, and they're called beard straighteners. And it's for all these hipster Duck Dynasty guys to dry their beards straight. So it looks disgusting. Okay. You don't even want to hear my take on why I find pubic hair growing off of a face disturbing. (laughs) I think that's the take. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's my thesis statement. I'm not going to bother you with a whole report. We've got the hypothesis. All right. So this Hey, wait a minute. If you can straighten beard hair. Don't. Don't. But, um, (laughs) so what are you going to tell about today that I'm ill prepared for? I'm glad. I wanted you to just, uh, this week has, I've had whiplash from the debate. No, from Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying to the debate to COVID. And anyway, we're not really going to do this episode on Amy Coney Barrett, who is the Supreme Court Justice nominee from the Republicans, but we are going to focus and do some heavy researching on the group she's in called People of Praise, which I see now corrected in our doc to People I'd praise. So that is going to be the title of this episode. Before we go any further, because it's not about Amy Amy Coney Barrett, um, I found this the funniest thing that I saw on Seth Meyers this week. It was a segment that said, getting to know Amy Coney Barrett. (laughs) It said, at her Coney Island, hot dogs stay away from the buns until they're married. (laughs) Oh, Seth. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly uh, it. Wow. Um, I've made two hot dog references. (laughs) I'm stupid show. Okay. (laughs) See, we always come to this, to our microphones, feeling depressed and stressed. But no, then we get into intelligent discourse and this happens. Okay, so people of praise is what everyone's talking about because they're like, what is this group she's part of? And there is a there's a handmaid's reference in it, and people spread this rumor that is not true that uh, Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale book is after People of Praise, but it's absolutely not. And in fact, when that book came out, they stopped using the word handmaids Hmm. and just changed it to like women leaders or something like that. Because Oh, no, they didn't change it to women leaders. Okay, so... I didn't realize that she was on the shortlist back when Kavanaugh was Mm -hmm. about to become a Supreme Court justice, Mm -hmm. but 
what happened then is that the people of praise, which, you know, they have a website and all these things, they scrubbed a lot of the things where her picture was in or her name was mentioned mm-hmm. right before that, which I sort of get because it, it seems very, at least to them, by being on the inside, they seem innocent, but they're just like, you know what, we have other people in these pictures and we want our group to have all all the members to have some kind of privacy without every journalist posting a picture with someone else in it, you know. Um, but And honestly, I don't know how much I object to somebody saying, can you take my picture out of there so that there's just less possibility of people lumping me into a category of something that they don't understand. Exactly. Exactly. I'm and I do that I'm okay with that. Me too. Um, but this time now with all the hullabaloo, they've, you know, scrubbed every single thing. And I mean, one that leaked that they got before they scrubbed Ooh. it is just mm-hmm. her, like with her mom or something, smiling at a women's fellowship or tree. You know, it's... It's really innocent um, and could mean something or nothing, really. But it made it look, of course, more suspicious. And for people who don't know what the organization is, they're really like, ooh, you know, this is scandalous. Now, there's a bit of... So what is the organization? Are you getting to that? Oh, no, we won't be doing that on this episode. So <laughs> we won't this be is explaining people what we're talking I'd about. praise, <laughs> who Karenally would praise. So first of all, it's... What would Karenally do? <laughs> WWKD. Is that right? right, right okay. Yeah. okay. Is that um, right? <laughs> you only had one initial <laughs> change and it's your own. I know. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so the interesting part, there's tons of interesting parts, but People of Praise is a group that formed out of Notre Dame students. They, you know, started being washed with the Holy Spirit, which means they started speaking in tongues and believing in, you know, what the New Testament has as far as all that stuff that like Southern Baptists and Methodists and different denominations don't believe. But because Notre Dame was Catholic, although they said this group is interdenominational, it's very heavily Mm -hmm. charismatic Catholic. So the first thing, I wanted to watch a video. So the first video that comes up is some young guy who I guess does things on cults. And he's like, (laughs) okay, we've got a listener question They want to know what people of praise is. So let's go look at their website. Okay, it says that they're mostly charismatic Catholics. So that's really weird for them to say. Oh, first he was going uh, charismatic, you know, like he couldn't say it. And then he's like, it really seems weird because, you know, a lot of cults, their leaders are very charismatic. So, you know, and I'm like, I'm not listening to it. You don't even know what you're talking about. But for those who don't know what charismatic really means in the Christian sense, it means that they believe in the New Testament um, uh, signs and wonders that can be applicable today. So speaking in tongues, praying for miraculous healing, any kind of miracles uh, that are definitely more than finding you a parking lot, but like uh, making, you know, someone healed or visions, dreams that are meaning something that God's trying to tell the earth. So that is sort of what they're into. I didn't realize that 30% of Catholics are charismatic. So there's this whole charismatic movement in the Catholic Church, and this is a group of people who said that they admire, I'm going to quote them, because it says who we are on their website. Mm -hmm. It says, people of praise is a charismatic Christian community. 
we admire the first Christians who were led by the Holy Spirit to form a community. Those early believers put their lives and their possessions in common and, quote, there were no needy persons among them. So this is what I have not heard of in the press. And I think you and I are going to win a Pulitzer once <laughs> 12 there people were, listen There to were this. no needy persons among them? This is a socialist group. <laughs> they believe that they use their money in a way that's communal. I'm all fine and good with that, but I'm not sure all the conservatives who are really not good with the whole socialism thing are aware of it because it hasn't been getting top spin in the news. And let me be clear, this isn't the same as tithing. This is something where they really do share a lot of what they have and what they're giving financially to the group. And then it's, dare I say, redistributed as the male leaders see fit. Something that I read made me think that, like, if I were involved in this group, I could go be just one little loose, you know, straggly person living with a family. Yeah, you could be a loose uh, woman or (laughs) you there were some kind of and maybe it was early on, like, you know, some of them would get houses close to each other and we'll talk about Mm -hmm. where they moved to. But Or um, some of them, the single ones, could stay in a house together. And there's... Like the Golden Girls. That would be nice. See? (laughs) So some places that I got information was Rolling Stone did a short article. A really good one is at Naples Daily News. And then, of Hmm. course, a friend of the podcast who we admire, Chrissy Stroop, who writes a lot of articles to do with different religious situations. So there in one of these articles, and I can't remember which one, it talks about how one of the women who lived in like the communal singles, whatever it is, that their paychecks go automatically into an account and then someone is in charge of the money in that group house that makes sure everyone has food, clothes, etc. So it's so I don't socialist. mind that. I'm a weirdo. But it's socialist, and I agree. Yeah. And it's like, why is that not being out there that – Our SCOTUS nominee is part of this group that believes in this. So a few things that they believe in. Well, while you're on that, something that I read said that one of the requirements of being a member is that 5% of your gross income has to go to the organization. Right. And that's on top of the 10% that's going to your own church because it's not a church. It's more of a community. And what really scared me, did you read how many people are in it? No. Okay. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to guess? Do you not want to guess? 10,000? Okay. That would make me feel better. It really <laughs> would. It's only 1,700. What? And that scares the what? shit out of me. Oh, my God. Yes. That's small. When it's small, it is so fucking creepy. So there are 22 branches. They're out of, like, South Bend, Indiana or something. But I was shocked that it's only Hold on. Let's do that math. 1,700 people divided by 22, right? Yeah, although it won't be evenly spread out. I know, but that's 77 members. Yeah, it's super small, and you've got to think that that they sort of believe in the quiverful thing, right? Because like, they're Catholic, so they're just going to pop them out 
I don't remember. Does she have like five or seven kids, Amy? Seven. Okay. Yeah. So, so if you've got like if you've got uh, people making, let's say, fifty thousand a year, and then five percent of that is twenty five hundred. If they only have like fifty people in their group, that's one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars that goes to this little group. Yeah. That's a lot of money to get to do stuff with. What are they doing with it? I will tell you. And, you know, a lot of it isn't bad. But so you think about, you know, the uh, Barrett's right there. They have seven, eight, nine nine members. So, you you know, it's really, (laughs) according to the Quiverful, this 1,700 members could really just be five families. We don't know. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) But the smallness is... What spooked me, but you become one is okay. But one thing you need to do is you need to be able to speak in tongues. That's the proof that you're charismatic. So our SCOTUS nominee definitely speaks in tongues because that's one of the basis of when they gather together. It says that they have this time where they're all speaking in tongues and then a man will interpret it. And we'll get into... Word of, what, really? Yeah, how the men are always the ones. So like charismatics across the nation or internationally, um, in some churches, like a woman can be the interpreter. So, you know, it's just whoever God... Uh, okay, let me back up. There's two Where's kinds. that from? Uh, about the, the Bible, the tongues. God, Bonnie, no. <laughs> do you have one? No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, and I, wait, where does where's the thing about tongues? Are we? I mean, yeah. So is it's that in, real? Yes. So it's in uh, the chapter of Acts. And no, I, I mean that they have to speak in tongues. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Where's, on their website that they said you know we're charismatic, and one of the things that that means is speaking in tongues. Let me see if I can. That's on their website? I'll try and find it. Oh, my God. Hold on. Where did people learn? 1,700. Oh, my God. No. Clearly, I didn't even Wikipedia this. Okay. One of the places, but I know it's more spelled out than this, on their website under the facts says, People of praise members have experienced the blessing of baptism in the Holy Spirit and the charismatic gifts as described in the New Testament. So Mm -hmm. they all are tongue speakers, but I'm trying. I don't even remember. uh, I'd have to look, but it has somewhere that they speak in tongues. And maybe when I read something, maybe it's in there. We'll see. We'll see. But so, you know, we have, of course, this SCOTUS who, because of the Catholic thing and the quiverful, you know, she could get pregnant right on the stand there, uh, but doesn't believe in any kind of contraception, which is, you know, intense. Um, Let's see. Okay, so what happens is you can, like, you go to your church your regular whatever one, then you go to this meeting that's like second church and Sunday afternoons. You do the tongue speaking, you do singing, you know, they have a meal, all that. It isn't, there's no sacrificing anything. It really, a lot of our listeners have probably been to something exactly like this, except it's not under the umbrella of like an official organization. And then, or one church, it's a lot of different churches that can feed into these little groups. Right, right. Which it's weird that it's not a church because that means like you're going to your own church and then, I don't know, are you telling them, hey, yeah, but I'm really in this other group that's better? I don't know. Right, right. (laughs) I don't know. But Anyone can go is what I understand, and it's only after quite a long time, maybe years of fervent prayer and talking to the leaders, that members do what's called a covenant, 
where mm-hmm. they're sort of pledging themselves to this group. It's a forever thing. They don't have to put up collateral or extra money. It's nothing crazy like that. It's just, you know, I am a permanent member of this group. And mm-hmm. obviously. Lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's, you know, Coney Barrett and her family did this because they also started schools. And the schools divide their classes by gender because, <laughs> you know, you don't want those girls to be doing math. I saw a little video of, like, the high schoolers talking about their school. And, I mean, they seem like fun, lovely Uh, kids that don't seem brainwashed in any way. Like, this is their private school, you know. Um, But I think there's there's levels, Jerry, levels. (laughs) And so Amy Coney Barrett was or is on the board of one of these schools, so she obviously is a covenant member. It's like Costco. You can, pretty much but, anyone can go, but then but can, if they have oh, how many did you say seventeen hundred people worldwide? Yeah, I think that it might not be the hugest honor to be on the board of her chapter. Uh, exactly. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> and I think it's like you know the PTO. Like my mom was in the PTO; she was PTO president at our Baptist school. That's right. Yeah, I know. Do you know how many damn? World's finest chocolates candy bars we got stuck with at our house. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, because you and I ate them. I'm aware. <laughs> so World's um, finest. Somehow they made them to us. <laughs> uh. All right. Um, let's see. Okay, so something good that they do that's also seen as bad, that I'm wondering if it's just... Maybe they'll adjust things now that people are getting more woke. But it's that they move purposefully, like the families, into poor neighborhoods, like in Shreveport Mm -hmm. or lots of different places. And poor neighborhoods usually mean black communities. So you have this, like, Mormon-looking 12-kid family in the middle of a black community and they really do like help out the community and Mm -hmm. try and quote serve them but again it just looks like white saviorism because all the pictures i see the members are looking white mennonite and then they're serving or playing with a bunch of black kids so you get Quite the contrast, but what? They- okay, I have to laugh with you because when when I look at their website, yeah, there's okay, there are all these wooden picnic benches with the attached, you know, or picnic tables with the attached benches, and it's white people, white people, and then at this adjacent table that's been set up with folding chairs <laughs> is the black family. Oh, yeah, that's right. I see that. Okay, black family, we're going to have you over here at the one that we decided is an afterthought. Uh, Or. That's not, I know that that's not actually at all what it was supposed to be like. I just like reading funnier things into pictures that I see. Well, the optics, the optics aren't great, but you can see like. In that picture, there are houses, and then Mm -hmm. there's, like, they must live in houses next to each other because then they have this big driveway area that they've set up, this feeding trough. No, this uh, (laughs) picnic. They're having a big picnic. Yeah. And so they do these types of what they call outreach to the poor community, and they run, like, little camps or vacation Bible schools, and damn straight those stressed-out mothers are sending their kids there. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't? I mean, they get some time to themselves, or they can go to their jobs without having their kids at home, you know, so it's a perfect way for them to, quote, serve their community, but also... They're taking advantage 
of they're colonizing. That's what they're doing. The main thing that people are harping on is how strict it is about men being the spiritual leaders. So on their boards, there's no women, which really isn't that unusual. Wait a minute. We just said that she was on the board. Of that's the school, Bonnie. That's the kids' oh. play. Oh, I'm okay. talking the board of the people of praise. Um, the, right, because ladies are allowed to be school teachers. Yes, yes. The men have the last word in everything. And I mean, I grew up with that belief too in mm-hmm. Southern Baptist stuff. And there could even be little, like, spats. Well, you're the head of the household. You make the decision. Or, you know, if I dated guys who are really into that, they'd be like, I know I'm the spiritual head of this, of our couple. So, you know, let's start in prayer all our dates. Uh, did not marry that one. Okay, so that is, of course, a big thing. And they're saying, ah, that's not, don't worry about you know, her being a Supreme Court justice. But if you have been, like, not brainwashed, but you believe that men have the last word, aren't you going to just do that naturally all the time? Is she going to turn to Clarence Thomas, who was never spoke in 10 years, (laughs) and be like, Clarence, what do you think? Clarence. Clarence. (laughs) Or is she going to listen to Kavanaugh? I mean, that's like a serious thing. Is she going to speak in tongues over different decisions? (sighs) Yeah. I mean, if you obey that in one area of your life, how is that going to manifest in another that affects a lot of people? More than 1,700 people. Yeah, exactly. On their website that I'm just on right now so I can look at the pictures and talk about how they (laughs) (laughs) stick black people at a folding table. Right. Um, So they've got the list of branches. By the way, there's not even one in Tennessee. I don't know what you guys are doing wrong there. Um, We have one in Florida and Tampa. (laughs) But all of these... uh, they're not that many, obviously, throughout the country. Yeah. But listen to this. They give a contact name and phone number for all of them. Uh, yep. Contact Manny, Tom, Dominic, Ron, John, Tom, Jack, Lloyd, Nathan, Vince. Yep, it's just like what you're saying. Jim, Phil, Charlie, Glenn. None of the contacts are women. Rick, yeah. Charlie, Steve, Mike. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, which is so weird. I wonder. That is weird. How she's being seen within that group as far as, you know, she's about to be a very, very powerful woman. And you wonder if it's like, okay, we got to pray over her, put some oil on her forehead, which they do. It's anointing (laughs) with oil. And then, you know come home and discuss things with your husband? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to work. Because this is extreme. This is not even Let me also be snidely whiplash and throw out there right now. Um, Maybe if they let the ladies be the contacts and the head of the chapters, they'd have more than 1,700 people. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. We need to take over this whole operation. So in doing a little bit of research on this, there is a woman, her name's Coral, Anika Thiel, and that might not be the name that she goes by now because at some point in here she talks about having changed her name to be protected from her ex-husband. But she says that she was a member of People of Praise and that a lot of people call it a community, but she describes it as a cult. So she was part of the Corvallis, Oregon branch, which is still a branch. And actually, Oregon has two branches, which is, you know, kind of interesting given that they don't have a lot of branches. They don't have a lot of people all together. <laughs> right. But um, so 
in the interview that she gave, and it's there's a video of it oh. as well, so you can watch that. That's interesting. Um, she said she didn't have any rights because she was married to her husband, and she called him a cult member. She was under the leadership of her husband and um, and the guy, I guess, who was in charge of their branch. And so she had to attend meetings. And because she had defied leadership, she was forced to sit on the floor outside their meetings in the hallway at the St. Mary's Catholic Church. Um, she says there are a lot of witnesses that saw how she was treated. Um, and she says, even though they say it's a healthy group, just consider how she was treated and if this would be correct, you know, for other people to be treated. Um, then she talks about when she was uh, pregnant in 1984 and had a miscarriage and had to have a DNC surgery. So then when she gets back from the hospital, she had to go to attend one of the women's meetings. And she said they call it handmaidens meetings. Um, uh, so she wanted to go shopping and couldn't because she returned from surgery and she was feeling weak. Uh, so she left the meeting, she went home to rest, like her doctor said, and then her husband was there It forced her to get in the car, like kidnapped her, according to her, Dad. and they went to the cult leader's home. That's what she called it. Uh, she said she was interrogated until the middle of the night and psychologically abused. And the next morning, the community was informed to shun her. Um, so that's definitely cult sounding. Totally. And did you, have you watched The Vow on HBO? I love it. Yes. It is. It's really good, but it does make me realize that cults don't always go after people who are on the fringe and not really, who have lost their way. They go after people who are successful. They go after people who are pretty and and wealthy. So this is... Yeah, who want to... have ambitions to better their life in, you know, one way or another. And the world. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's just a little bit of what this coral woman talked about and how they deemed her mentally ill. They had her under special counseling um, and that they were just cruel and very bullying. Yeah. And she says it was a lot like the Jim Jones cult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, in the Naples Daily News, it talks about her a little bit. And I don't know if you mentioned that she said, I was basically treated like a broodmare. Like, you know, she had eight children, 11 pregnancies. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so when they asked current members in Oregon about it, the member was like, at any point, a community member can decide to leave and is free to do so. And, you know, as far as I know, everyone's maintained a good friendship with the people who have left or became part of other communities. This stuff doesn't happen anymore. And, you know, I, I although I want to say how crazy this organization is in some ways, in some ways, I can also see that there is who we see as an intelligent woman who's might be, you know, she's nominated. I hope she doesn't get on Supreme Court, but that there are intelligent people now who aren't going to put up with some of the things that might have happened decades ago when it was still getting going and really tiny, you know, I don't right. know. Okay. So, but it also reminds me of the vow in that there were people in there doing crazy cult-like things in one group of Nixium, and then other people who had no idea that was going on. Right. So it, you know, in in me playing devil's advocate, which you'll just delete. Um, no, no, I'm devil advocating too, which is yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Oregon chapter could be just a bunch of douchebags. Exactly. And, yeah, social know, dynamics. The chapter might be okay. Right. But they should definitely not be able to get away with that under the name, you know, 
uh, people of praise. People I'd praise. Exactly. People I'd praise. <laughs> Me. Well, <laughs> so there's this other person, um, someone last name, Reamers, I don't know, teaches philosophy at Notre Dame and went on to write a detailed academic examination of the inner Ooh. workings and the theological stuff. And mm -hmm. in 1997, uh, wrote a book about the people of praise and their covenant communities. And he wrote that the fundamental principle of the group was St. Paul's stipulation from the Bible that the husband is the, quote, head of his wife and that the wife is to, quote, submit, you know, to all things. So it's definitely there. And he said, a married woman is expected always to reflect the fact that she's under her husband's authority. This goes beyond an acknowledgement that the husband is head of the home or head of the family. He is, in fact, her personal pastoral head. Whatever she does requires at least his tacit approval. He's responsible <laughs> for her formation and growth in the Christian life. What I think is funny about that is I think a lot of men only take half of that. And they're like, yeah, I want to be in charge. Wait a minute. I have to give her some guidance and spiritual information. Right. Oh, crap. I, I just know. want her to do what I want to do. I just want dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, go make me a chicken pot pie. <laughs> Beer me. Um, all right. So here is another person named Lisa Williams. Her parents joined the Minnesota branch in the late 70s. So, again, this is earlier. And she said, I remember my mother saying a wife could never deny sex to her husband because it was his right and her duty. Sex isn't for pleasure. It was to make as many babies of God uh, It's to make as many babies God chooses. Right. And women had to be obedient. So obviously that uh, is very quiverful right there. Corporal punishment was common for children. So um, the whole baby thing and the idea of, of a woman can't deny a man, it just smacks of the animal kingdom, which I will go back to the ducks that I will always talk about, <laughs> right. how I've watched ducks, male ducks rape their lady ducks. And that's, that's just how it is in the world of ducks. And we accept that. But if we don't accept other parts of being animals, why do we stick with some of them? Uh, yeah, I exactly. It's the worst. I mean, it's psychological rape, if not physical rape. And I mean, lots of people mm -hmm. can, we can go back and forth on like breaking that down and people can change my mind or their mind. But it definitely, it's not consent. That's for sure. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. So then there's some other smart guy named Thomas Casortis. He's an anthropology professor at University of California, San Diego. And he studied the People of Praise movement. And he said such communities are, and I think this is it, these four traits, conservative, mm -hmm. authoritarian, hierarchical, do I say that right? And patriarchal. Yeah. I'm trying to find where I read it, but one of the things they would do is, especially with young people, is have them stand in the middle of the room and then everyone else would tell them what's wrong with them. Oh. <laughs> I know. I mean, sometimes I think about of, that. Like, you know, what they need to work on or what they need to pray but sometimes I think that that would be a really nice thing, a service to pay for. Yeah. Well, that is a service you can pay for, but under a licensed therapist. But they, they won't really tell you the truth. They won't tell you that you have no chin. Um, how's Mitch McConnell come into everything? Well, that's what this one girl, she was like saying, you know, they would talk about 
how you would be shunned in a way if your family wasn't doing everything and they left. You know, they say that people can leave and it's no problem, but she said nobody would talk to you. And a lot of them, if they left, believed that the people who left were no longer Christians, which they right. get into that elitism again of, you know, all that. Now, the people interviewed who are in it just say they have all the free choice in the world. Mm -hmm. They have all the free choice that Ron and Jack and Jim tell them they have. (laughs) Here's my question. Who decided of of Amy and her husband that they were going to join this group? I think there's only one answer. (laughs) Well, her parents, actually, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen this too many places. Her parents were actually like the leadership of a Louisiana branch or something like that. And both her parents are registered as Democrats. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who knows what has happened behind the scenes to get this person to make choices, you know, that will affect a nation. I don't know. But the spokesperson for the people of praise is Sean Connolly. Can you believe it? Um, and Sean Connolly, I went to his Twitteriness, and one of the things he tweets a lot, he retweeted the article about hydroxychloroquine being mm-hmm. a cure for frickin'. COVID. Yep. And then he also retweeted last November from Marcus Brownlee. Ready for another AirPods Pro giveaway? Just retweet and you're in. Giveaways open worldwide. So I hope that the spokesperson got his free <laughs> AirPod Pros. So he retweets a lot of Pope Francis's stuff. And then he retweeted someone called Lila Rose. And I looked her up, and she's quite interesting. And he retweeted that she said that Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook were wrong to censor her. So I'm like, okay, why does this people of praise spokesperson care about Lila Rose not being censored? So I go to her Twitter, and her pinned tweet says, Breaking. Under oath, Planned Parenthood's Organ Harvesting Center states, quote, we do a dissection. And that's the end of the quote. And she keeps going, of babies harvesting organs even while they have beating hearts. So this is what I would call misinformation. And that is the spokesperson for People of Praise, which means he's probably tweeting what they believe in. And this is what a future SCOTUS person could be believing, which is crazy. But the bottom line is this, I wouldn't say it's a crazy organization, but I would say it's a very um, authoritative, authoritarian one and a very patriarchal one. And that some of the things that they do are obviously have some socialist communal things. Yeah, that's it. where that's where I go. Well, I like that idea a little bit of, <laughs> of of pooling your money and doing some good things. But I think ultimately my 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 bigger objection is that anybody like that is still Catholic after everything that <laughs> That's an, after everything that church has admitted to doing. I know. Oh my gosh. That just means that has a lot of fear and control. Because I think I told you when I tried to witness to my grandfather, and he was raised Catholic in Cuba. And at, I think, his deathbed, he had the, you know, the priest come in again because. You know, he wanted to, to make sure he wasn't rights. going to hell. So yeah. it has such a big um, control over everyone that, yeah. 
Although, I mean, I figure if you're on your deathbed, you may as well give it a roll of the dice. Totally. Bring them all in. Do whatever makes you feel peaceful. Yeah. You know, I, of course, I'm a big believer in, can we all not fucking cry for five minutes over someone before people say they're in a better place? Oh, I know. just have a bit of... Death is awful for two fucking seconds. Yeah, we can't fix it by all of these nice things that we say. And I hope that I said the right thing to a woman who I work with the other day. And we were talking about the fact that her husband passed away a couple months ago. And I just said, I said, there's nothing to say. It's just shitty waiting for time to go by Mm -hmm. where it gets a tiny bit better along the way. Right. And um, it's it's okay to feel sad, though. It's just what you said. It's okay for us to feel sad about something. We don't have to we don't have to placate ourselves with if people are in better places. Now they're out of pain. Well, it. uh, Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Mostly (laughs) they are dead. You know, and and we are sad. Yeah. And that is super tough to take. You know, if you don't believe in an afterlife or traditional, you know, belief system. Oh, if something happens to me, I have spite letters I'm writing to people. <laughs> they're they're not going to say nice things about me at any kind of <laughs> memorial. <laughs> they're like, here's the spite letter I was given. <laughs> Let's put it that that's our new thing. Listeners, start <laughs> writing your spite letters. Put them in a little shoebox. And then just say, mail these. (laughs) Blindly mail these out, please. But make sure you get forever stamps. Are you? No, here's like one. Uh, I hope you know that it took probably five days off my life. That one time you sent me an email with a PDF that had 33 separate files on it that I had to print out, (laughs) rescan, and compile again. (laughs) I I do not forgive. (laughs) That's just the best thing that just to say to some of these people, and I don't forgive you. You're like, man. (laughs) It's like Festivus. (laughs) Send in your funny stories. Oh, please send in your funny stories. That makes me so happy. We've gotten some in... Private messages on Instagram. Yeah. You all know who you are. Just give it a beginning, middle, and end and send those in so we can read them to other people. Because I don't feel I have your permission if you send them there, but they're hilarious and they're fascinating. I and know. Do it. Everybody has a story. They do. And the same goes to Amy Coney Barrett. If you have a story about something that happened between your third and seventh child that just cracked you up, just send it in. (laughs) I don't think she laughs a lot. And we'd also like to thank People of Praise for producing Amy Coney Barrett and then for Amy Coney Barrett to have an outdoor ceremony that ended up being a super spreader that has nearly taken down our nation. And with that, we say don't be a shit pile. <laughs> oh, Lord. Bye. Bye. <laughs>